Today's episode of The Rewatchables on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by Vudu, a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy, and over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad-supported on-demand service. Enjoy everything from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films without subscriptions or contracts right now. Right now, you can go on Vudu just for the month of July and watch District 9, Falling Down, Poetic Justice, Tupac. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. So check that out. All you have to do is go to voodoo.com slash rewatchable. Sign up, start watching today. That is vudu.com slash rewatchables. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? Look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. Just call it friendo. You can't stop what's coming. Is this guy supposed to be the ultimate badass? You don't understand. Bill Hader is here. Chris Ryan is here. We asked uh, Hader to come on the rewatchables, and he sent us a long list of movies. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and we selected this one. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really yeah, good no. movie. Yeah. Um, but tell tell Chris Ryan why you have a personal connection to this movie. Oh, uh, the movie is No Country for Old Men. And uh, I would say because the show I do, Barry, we had a owes a lot to this movie in a way of like how we shoot action and how we cover things and and the the no music or the where they put music you know um uh i just i just like that it didn't glamorize violence but it had a a way of of um of also making it cinematic Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times when people say don't glamorize violence it's you know you do handheld and it's kind of you know, really hard to watch, yeah. disgusting stuff. This was still cinematic, but it wasn't like rad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It always, it kind of rides on the line the whole movie. You're just yeah. like, this is so awesome, but also it's so terrifying. Well, yeah, it was a time where you would watch it and it was so, it's so easy to, to make the violence in this movie. It was a very easy version of it to make it rad and yeah. cool and like a gunfight thing. But instead, uh, it does a great job of every time, as someone who watches action movies and stuff, anytime I thought it was gonna, there was going to be any sort of violence, I got scared. It was like a horror movie. Yeah. You just don't want it. Anytime Harvey Bardem would approach someone, you would go, oh, fuck. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so when he, met, when he said that to me, I was like, I, I was mad at myself. I didn't realize that the vibe of No Country for Old Men and the vibe of Barry. It does feel like they're related in the same family. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, especially that episode, you know, we've talked about the Ronnie Lilly episode, like not having music. Yeah. 
um, but again, I don't. It's not like you go, oh, let's do the no country thing of that. No, it's more it's of like influence. it's like an influence. And I know that they like this movie, um, uh, Man Escaped by Brisson, and and mm-hmm. they've talked about that where that movie, and it is just a guy trying to escape from prison. Yeah, but it's that same thing of just you're just watching methodically what they go through. <laughs> yeah, the, do it, the story is almost besides the point in this movie. Yeah. Like, you can kind of, you can, you can, if you've read the book or if you pay really close attention to the dialogue, you can figure out, like, okay, there's a cartel, then there's the American side, and there's $2 million, and he went to Vietnam. And, and they cut a lot out, yeah, too. He yeah. out of the book, too. I mean, they cut, for the movie, they cut a ton of stuff yeah. out uh, to streamline it more, where it just really is about these two, these three guys. Yeah. You know, and uh, and kind of they try to get into more of the the futility of the whole thing, like and it's the all whole process. Movie. It's yeah. all just like I have to get the like wa- I I got to fill up a water jug or I got to cut the the nose off the shotgun. Yeah, or they whatever. both get hurt, and then yeah. the process of I'm going to show you the process of of um, the product of the violence. You know, I had pitched yeah. Bill on me being naked, sewing up my hip when you walked in here. But <laughs> He, he shot it down. Yeah, I thought that would, yeah, be, uh, that would have been a bummer. <laughs> so I remember seeing this in the theater and obviously being blown away, but also confused. It was just so much. I hadn't read the book mm-hmm. and it uh, it veers twice in ways that are just so uncommon for movies when we don't see Josh Brolin die. Mm-hmm. You and mentioned that in the book it, of basketball, don't you? Yeah, and then it just yeah. ends where it, it has this Tommy Lee Jones monologue and you're like, all right, what's going to... And then the it's whole, like the credits and you're like, The whole wait, thing's what? about futility. I feel like the whole movie is just a futility of <laughs> yeah. this is where we're headed, guys. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and this and is where we've just, always been. This is where we've always yeah. been. This is where we're headed. And that... What I loved about the Josh Brolin thing, which is also in the book, and yeah. I remember reading the book, and when that happened, I went back. Yeah, did I, did I miss have something? A stroke and wait, I was like, pages, wait, I yeah. missed something. Wait, he's dead. Wait, what? But I, that's what I loved about it is it starts off as this kind of thriller, but the idea of it is that you know, and it's in the title, "No Country for Old Men." It's it's that this world doesn't abide by those rules. You know, yeah. the world as we know it doesn't abide by those thriller rules. It's. It's something much darker and more cynical. And um, I just thought that worked beautifully. Yeah, where he just shows up and he's just dead. And you're like, and and the way they shoot it too, where it's handheld behind uh, Tommy Lee Jones, he's running in and you just see a glimpse of it. Yeah. They pay him, this character you've been following the whole time, he is like, trash he's like yeah. in the wind mm-hmm. he's nothing it don't even get a anything. close up you don't get face. a close up yeah. you get nothing it's like oh he's dead now we're moving on and that's the the world it's <laughs> like you can't argue with that you just go yeah oh man this isn't about what i thought it was but yeah. they need to lead you into it and Cora mccarthy too they lead you into it in this way and i think those things had a huge influence on barry in a way that kind of mindset of taking you in a direction where you go oh i know what this is and it's like no there's actually like these bigger emotional uh fallouts and uh, and uh and just the way the world works you know i remember leaving the theater and thinking that's definitely either going to win the oscar or get nominated and a bunch of these guys will get nominated i did not expect it to be a rewatchable yeah and then yeah. when it popped on cable a year later 
it w- immediately became a rewatchable to the point that my wife was like, really? I was like, no, no, I just, he's, he, he just put the suitcase of cash in there. You're watching, you know, it, so you keep again? watching this. <laughs> no, no, just, just, just 20 minutes. Nah. Chris, when did you know it was going to be a rewatchable? Um, well, as a rewatchable, I guess, you know, I've watched it a bunch since 2007. Uh, it, mostly because of cable, also just because the Coens are like some of my favorite filmmakers. This is a really funny one because Cormac McCarthy, McCarthy is one of my favorite writers, like one of my three favorite writers. So I, this is one of the few books that I just like bought the day it came out, like it was a record that I was anticipating. Yeah, yeah. I read it in like a weekend. Pretty soon after that, maybe even right when it came out, they had announced that Scott Rudden had bought it, that yeah. Coens were going to make it, and that the three leads were going to be Tommy Lee Jones, Josh Brolin, and Javier Bardem. And that was just one of those where you're like, yeah, that makes yeah, to- it just that makes everything total lined sense. up. It's just the material, yeah, the people, everything just lined up. It was within like two years, right? Oh yeah. five and oh seven, and, and the- then pretty soon after the book, I feel like the trailer was out, and the trailer is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Yeah, and then the movie comes out, and you're like, yeah, that's perfect. You just you guys just shot everything that mattered from the book, cut out the stuff that you could cut. It's still Coen Brothers, but it's also McCarthy. And the thing that the movie that I've thought about a lot when I watch it this time was Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Mm. Because it was another example of kind of like these independent minded filmmakers taking on some like somewhat more mainstream pulpy yeah. stuff, even though this is stuff that they've done before, like Blood Simple. But it was like the same way where you see it and it's got like an iconic villain performance with Bart Emmett Hopkins and Jonathan Demi did Silence of the Lambs. And then it just sort of catches on in a way that nothing he had he had done before Silence of Lambs that they had done before this really ever captured, I think, like the mainstream imagination, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean the the I mean the the Coens before this, I mean, you had Fargo, which mm-hmm. everyone kind of that was like the one that people got excited about, but and it almost felt too where people because the two movies they made before this were Lady Killers and um Intolerable cruelty, cruelty, which I will say is a massive Coen Brothers fan, I I think, are not that great. I agree with you. And I also know that they're movies that they wrote for other people that then they decided, like, well, we'll do it. Yeah. You know? And it feels that way. They feel almost like weird assignments or something. And then they do No Country, and it was – it has that feeling of, like, nah, man, let's – we got to land this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they're, they got, it felt more whether they were trying to or not, like we got something to prove here, yeah. you know? And um, to the Demi thing, I think, what was it? Married to the Mob was yep. probably the thing before that, which wasn't, you know, it's like you get Silence of the Lambs. And the Silence of the Lambs is a really interesting thing too, because what I always find work, works so well about that movie was, you know, when you read that book, the material, uh, it it has, some humanity in it, but not a lot. It is much more of a pot boiler. Sure. And Jonathan Ade- Jonathan Demi is for me all humanity. Yeah, it's just all about the idea of him doing a movie about a serial killer was what that guy. You know, he's such a he's such a warm, beautiful person. Yeah. But it was the perfect combination of things where he then brought into it. Um, this weird humanity, like you know, the woman in the well, and 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 that character, how yeah. strong and the she music is, and stuff and the like music, that. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't, it didn't. Nothing about it felt exploitive right. to me. He he felt like even when they're looking at the body of the woman and 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 um, and, and uh, Jodie Foster, you know, uh, you know, this was someone's daughter. This was someone, you know, Jodie Foster feels for this person, and I never felt like th- those things were in the 
We're the, we're the, the, in the Thomas Harris yeah. book, you know. Does it make me a bad person that I've gotten almost 30 years of comedy out of Buffalo Bill? Or no? <laughs> oh, man, no. No. We've I mean, about we, I did Buffalo Bill I on know. SNL, yeah. <laughs> we did the Buffalo Bill talk show, which never got on. Now I feel like in 2019 there would be a backlash to people enjoying Buffalo Bill. And oh, would, there was a backlash a when the character came out because yeah, really? a lot of gay, yeah. gay rights people that 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 gave that they said that gay people were all kind of homicidal oh. maniacs who want to skin women and wear them and you know and all this. And what about the people that just like imitating his voice? I know. I mean, <laughs> Ted Levine, fat person. And then you would see Ted Levine and like Heat, Heat. Yeah. and you would go, "Oh, there is that." Oh, okay, Buffalo Bill. Yeah, he he straightened up. There's like and a couple a cop. movies where he plays like a nice like yeah. offensive coordinator of a high school football yeah. team. And you're just like, yeah, but don't you have somebody in your basement well? Come on, man. Let's get out there. <laughs> hey, you're going to be fullback. <laughs> oh, wait. It's like the Bloodside High School football coach. Yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, that's good. Oh, wait, you live with her? Oh, that's nice. Wow, that's crazy. She let you live in her house? Oh, that's nice. Remember, she, he was in, I think he was in Fast and Furious. Ted? Levine, yeah, he's I in like a hundred things. Yeah. He's, I like when he's the sergeant. Yeah, yeah. I think he got. T- I think he wanted to get away from Buffalo Bill, so he just went the other way and he just started to enforce yeah. the law. Yeah, and he's so. I mean, it's it is one of those performances that he's so good in it. I mean, it stinks that it kind of like uh, you know whatever, like Bill Lugosi and Dracula or something, right. where it just became so. Uh, you know, connected to that character, but he he is a great actor. I mean, I, I always. When I watch Silence of the Lambs, I'm like, I, his performance is unreal in that. Got to work him into a Barry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah people I, come in. Yeah. <laughs> the movie that launched the rewatchables was Heat. Oh. Because Chris and yeah. I loved Heat. Yeah. And he came on my podcast like three and a half years ago. And I was just like, can we just talk about Heat? Just yeah. do it. We've now gotten like, to the point where we like, for the whole podcast? Chapter two of, of the Heat podcast. Yeah, we feel like it's been three and a half years. I have more thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So we might end up just bringing it back and doing yeah, it again. Yeah, Heat's one that's kind of like weirdly d- divisive for some people. Some people love it. Other people yeah, think some of the, people the, like. the, the Al Pacino performances over the top. And oh, it things. sure is. Yeah, it's yeah, funny. You gotta, you gotta love it. I go, no, that's why I like it. I go, you can see Tone Loke is not acting in that scene. He's like, what is going on right now? Uh, but no, I, I, I think I think Heat has one of the best gunfights in any movie. I mean, oh, the yeah. sound. I remember seeing that in the theater, and when the the sound on that, you would oh, never. Oh, the sounds the, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I it mean, sounds like was, it's happening in a canyon. And I talked to the mixers of Barry. I go, how do they get those gunfights? You know, and they guy did research. He goes, you know, they did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he goes that. That was what it sounded like in downtown LA or wherever they shot that. And then when they went the mixing stage. What mixers do is they added all the bullet shots and everything, and Michael Mann went, wait, but on when we were there, it was like cannons. Yeah. It was echoing and all this. What? Now it just sounds like a movie. And can I hear that again? And then they took all that stuff out, and that's why it sounds rad. I had ho- I had coffee with Macaulay a half an hour ago. <laughs> Pacino, oh, always dialing it up. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so Joel, Joel Cohen said, the reason he wanted to do this book, or they wanted to do the book, he said it was the idea of the physical work that somebody does that helps reveal who they are and is part of the fiber of the story. You only saw this person in the movie making things and doing things in order to survive and to make this journey. And the fact that you were thrown back on that as opposed to any dialogue was inter- interesting to us because his whole thing was like, there's just 
no dialogue for large sections yeah. of this movie and no music, but it's riveting the whole time. Yeah, I think that's a thing they're interested in because they've, they've always wanted to make this movie To the White Sea, which is based on this James Dickey book. And I read that script like years ago when I was a PA and someone I knew worked at whatever studio was trying to make They it. just like recently that came yeah. up as like they might do that soon again. I wish they did. But that movie has no dialogue. Yeah. It. It's just like it's, a guy escaping from a World War II it's situation. A, yeah. He's a fallen pilot, World War II, and he's behind enemy lines. And, and he's the whole movie is just him trying to survive. And there's no dialogue. And I read the book last summer, and it's it's unreal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that if they did that, that'd be amazing. But it, it clearly they're fascinated by just yeah the work, like what we were saying, like that these two guys, how that shows character and who they are, yeah. and all these things. And it's I mean, it is almost like a a silent movie. And as a filmmaker, I like watching it because I'll I'm now when we were doing the Barry pilot. I would watch that, you know, the Coens and some other filmmakers and especially old movies and you count setups, mm-hmm. you know, where you go, okay, there's the camera there. And then you go, wow, that whole scene is just two shots, you know, right. that scene is four shots and it was riveting, you know, and it was a good lesson for me going into a television show to think like, okay, you only have so much time. You have no time. We got to go. We got to go. And thinking like, no, we can get this in like two shots. Right. With three shots and just, they just have to be the right three shots. Yeah, the Ronnie <laughs> you know? Lilly, the Ron, Ronnie Lilly, you know? like there's, doesn't seem like there's a ton of coverage in like, especially when you first meet. No, in the yeah, bedroom. it's very by design, but like, they, they, and they storyboard everything. Yeah. So I think they, they storyboard the whole movie. So I think it really is a thing of just of of a lot of thought goes out goes into like how do you tell this visually you know it's like Belichick yeah yeah Belichick right. I think exactly they said like that too that's why we won six Super Bowls yeah do you think the Coen brothers saw <laughs> we, you think the Coen brothers saw Castaway and were just furious that Tom Hanks there's no dialogue yeah <laughs> with anybody else for an well, hour here's the joke with those guys and, and then Harvey Bardem was gonna have be friends with a volleyball and- <laughs> like, damn it I think that the the thing is though is that. The dialogue that is in No Country for Old Men, I have like a page of best quotes. It's like everything yeah. someone I didn't even says. Know what this, to do with best yeah. quotes? Yeah. It's like the script you just handed out. Like I don't, I don't know. It's like, I actually I had a lot of trouble doing the categories and stuff for this because it's like, well, best quotes. There's seven hundred. Yeah, yeah. Um, most rewatchable scene. It's like, well, is the first yeah. hour count? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, yeah. But what are, I'm supposed to pick between moments? Do you uh like we we did this a bunch two years ago when it was the ten year anniversary of two thousand seven? But do you have particular memories of two thousand seven? Like, cause it's yeah, like it was, yeah, incredible it was great, movie incredible year. year for movies. I remember this, and um, there will be blood. Were and they were shooting in the same town at the same know, time, at the same yeah. time, yeah. And so it, uh, and yeah, that Oscars. I sometimes feel like that Oscars is the one that made them go, okay. We need to do ten yeah. nominations, yeah. and we need some happy shit in there. <laughs> you're actually, <laughs> I think you're right because there was like it. no country camp, and and our two headliners for no country, yeah. and there will be blood. We can't have that again. <laughs> they they shit they changed it for '09, but I think this was the year that it was just so low. Was it so? Was, yeah. was this was this the Dark Knight year? Yeah, uh, that was 2008. Was oh, okay, so Dark Knight was that? Yeah, and that was what. Uh, Slumdog or was that Slumdog? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so the nominees for best actor, I'm sorry for best picture, it was T- Atonement, No right? Country, There Will Be Blood, Juno, Atonement, Michael Clayton, yeah. Michael Clayton, yeah, Michael Clayton, like Zod- another Zodiac year, Zodiac didn't even get nominated. Zodiac. Zodiac didn't get nominated. Yeah, that was a what good else movie. was this year? 
Uh, I mean, super bad and knocked up. Um, yeah, Zodiac was great. What else? I can't imagine. Oh, Assassination of Jesse James, which is one of my favorites from that. Yeah, that and a year. bad Oscar year that would have gotten. There. Yeah, but that was like hardly anybody saw that back then. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody even knew what to like the title alone. Yeah, people go, wait, what is this? <laughs> I, I felt like, like oh, that was great. one of those movies where they were willfully trying to not be that successful with it, so then people could talk about what Assassination of Jesse James. Yeah, yeah. It's like the title, <laughs> you're almost like sabotaging. I just yourself. remember. I know that sounds so lame because I love that movie, but I know so many people that would just I would tell them the title. I'm like, oh, do you want to see the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford? And they went, no. <laughs> yeah. And I go, what? Come yeah. on, like get over yourselves. If they and just like, called it Assassination, it? it probably does twist. Or just Jesse James. Yeah. Or so Brad had, Pitt is Jesse James. <laughs> the best director, we had Paul Thomas Anderson going head to head against the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Coen brothers won. Yeah. I don't, how do you feel about that 12 years later? That's a tough one. They're of like, that's like the 87 the, like, NBA MVP race. This is one of those like Heat Spurs ones where you're like, eh, I, either one of them deserves it. Everybody yeah. wins. Yeah. yeah. And then best actor. This was weird. And I, I had remembered this differently. I thought Javier Bardem had won for Best Actor. No, it was supporting. actually Best Supporting. Yeah. But Tommy Lee Jones was nominated for Best Actor, and he's in the movie less than yeah. Javier. So they did that whole whatever. So Tommy Lee Jones loses to Daniel Day-Lewis. The other people in the category are George Clooney, Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd, which I don't understand how that one happened, and then Viggo Mortensen in uh, Eastern Promises. Oh, yeah, Eastern Promises was good, yeah. too. They had the fight uh, scene in the shower, the yeah. naked fight scene where they're turning. That was <laughs> a crazy. Great one. Yeah. That was crazy. So really good Oscar year, really good movie year. And it was coming off a couple of bad movie years where yeah. you kind of needed the monster movie year. And I felt like. Yeah, that, but that it is just proves, yeah, in a weird way, like you have that year and then they go, okay, no, we need. Yeah, <laughs> right. We need, we need happiness. <laughs> so $25 million budget, $170 million worldwide. Um, domestically, the third lowest grossing Oscar winner ever. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> Behind Crash and Kurt Locker. Oh, what about Annie I Hall? Made you- Annie Hall, too. Wow. <laughs> this is, this is wow. half-assed internet research. Wow. They won the Oscar for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay. Javier Bardem became the first Spanish actor. Wow. In the Oscar. That's wild. He was also the first one to get nominated. This is one of the ago. ones that Deacons didn't win. Yeah, no, he, this was, the this cinematography. Took, yeah, Deacons forever. Yeah. To find, yeah, he finally won for uh, Blade Runner. Before we get to the categories, let's talk about Voodoo. It's a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy, from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films. They've recently launched an ad-supported on-demand service with over 10,000 titles you can watch for free, including classic movies and TV shows. That means movies like District 9. Poetic Justice. I mean, they, God, they have so many good ones. My kids like Voodoo. My kids are big fans. Voodoo is the presenting sponsor of our Rewatchables podcast where we're covering some great movies in July, including we're doing a Before Sunrise and Before Sunset doubleheader. You can rent it on Voodoo before you turn into that episode. Voodoo is available wherever you watch TV. They make it easy to access all your favorite entertainment with a click of a button. Enjoy it on Smart TV, Roku, Chromecast, iPhone, or Android. Or online, no subscriptions, no contracts, just free entertainment. Head to voodoo.com slash rewatchables to sign up and start watching today. And you can get some cool bundles too, like the Fast and Furious. I have every Fast and Furious movie. They had a nice little deal on that. VUDU.com slash rewatchables. Most rewatchable scene. 
I mean, I, I don't fucking know. How I mean, the, you're right. I mean, shit. the whole. I I mean, it is true. Like the whole first hour of it. Even I remember reading the book and reading in the bookstore. Just just started just flipping through it and just kind of reading it. And I read. I sat for thirty forty minutes just reading that whole open. Yeah, of, of him hunting, him out hunting, planes, yeah. finding the body, finding the money. Then laying in bed, and because of his own kind of good nature, I'm going to bring water out to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then seeing the thing, and I the guy mean, behind the counter is like, uh, uh, "Sir, yeah, um, sir, you, sir, you can, do you want to buy that?" And then or? I was like, "No, I'm still thinking. <laughs> I'm not sure yet." Uh, but yeah, I mean that whole sequence is amazing. The gunfight uh, in the town when wait, the, hold on, wait, scene, wait, you're stepping screen. on the. Uh, we're doing the the most rewatchable scenes. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Trying to stay in line. <laughs> what I'm telling it, I'm doing it. Uh, I uh, I'm judging this by if I'm flicking channels, mm-hmm. and the scene is about to happen. Does it suck you in on a scale of one to ten, where we're going to be at least an eight for every scene in this movie? Yeah. Is it like a nine or a 10 for like, oh shit, I got to watch this. Yeah. Scene number one. I like when Brolin, when he sees the cars. Oh yeah. Just the way that shot and it's super wide and he's just like, it's suddenly there's a car up there and then there's like more cars. There's a guy speaking Spanish. Yeah. And then there's dead people. Yeah. And the way he handles it is not like the way the three of us would probably handle it. Where we'd be like, the fuck? (laughs) What? Yeah. He's kind of just like, Meandering around, right. but again, that shows character. You go when I watch it, you go, okay, that guy is like some sort of training, yeah, you know. But he doesn't come out and go, you know, I'm a vet. I was in a war, you know yeah, what I, was I mean? In two tours, no. yeah. yeah, I was in two tours. You're like, oh, that guy is moving like a guy who's not afraid and understands, right? Totally. And he says that in the first, the first time he comes across the cars, he's like, you went, you checked your like to see if anybody was following you, yeah. But you'd probably go somewhere where there's shade, and then he finds the trees. Yeah, and it's just like. His pursuit is so incredible. But yeah, that when the, the car show thing up, was great. When yeah. He's looking around, he sees the trees and he's just like, Yeah. Do you consider the dog chase as part of the scene with the car showing up? No. Okay. That's a different one. I that did not make the cut, but the fucking dog chase. <laughs> I, the I, dog I, I'm chase happy to is, add it. Is, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. My wife was upset that the dog got shot. Uh the next one, Shigur. How are we saying? Shigur. 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 Yeah. yeah. Woody Harrelson calls him like sugar. Yeah. <laughs> but uh sugar and the gas station guy. Yeah, coin toss. Yeah, it's great. And that's when you Call understand it. what year it is. Yeah. Because they don't say it's nineteen. Oh yeah, nineteen fifty eight, twenty traveling twenty years. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I figured out I figured it out from the, the one of the hotels has the HBO. It says free HBO. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, all right, late nineteen eighty. Yeah. Somewhere but I there. like, yeah, that's I read an interview with them once and they said we put a pull tab on a beer and that was that was it. <laughs> that was how you had to know like what year it is. I don't think it's in the book either. I don't think they really make a big deal mm-hmm. on what year it is. Yeah. That was when he said, uh Well, we need to know what we're calling it for here. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. Well, it wouldn't be fair. I didn't put nothing up. Yes, you did. You've been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. You know what date is on this coin? No. 1958. It's been traveling 22 years to get here. And now it's here. And it's either heads or tails. And you have to say, call it. Well, look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. How's that? You stand to win everything. Call it. It's like, all right, this guy. And he already murdered two people at that point, yeah. too. 
And how good is that guy behind the counter? It's the guy like behind the counter is fantastic. Good old in this. collection of Coen Brothers faces, man. It's yeah. like those people, like they just find people who have like such distinctive looks and they put them in just like the perfect little. And again, not to belabor it or whatever, but it's like two shots. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing is just two shots, two sizes. Like they don't do anything. Yeah. That's all you got to do. It was great. Scene number three. By the way, you can add some after I rip through these. Brolin getting the hidden suitcase out of the air conditioner vent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, and the people, he's hearing all of a sudden there's shots and there's murder scene going on. And then it's just kind of, I, that whole thing, it's a great five minutes. Yeah. It's also I really enjoy set it. up by the, one of my favorite bits, which is like, do you got any temp poles? When he goes to the sporting goods store, yeah. he's like, got any temp poles? And he's like, no, I'd have to special order him. He's like, just give me a tent. <laughs> Which one? With the one with the most poles. <laughs> I didn't realize till like the seventh time that those three Mexican guys were there to kill Josh. Yeah, Rowe. yeah. I didn't pick that up the first time. Little <laughs> those guys were also in the book, like following them. Mm-hmm. There, there was more of a cartel presence. Like, you know, later when they fight in the yeah. square, whatever, those the cartel was there. Yeah. Remember, it becomes like a bit. It's like a siege kind of, yeah. Yeah, just to be, I'm glad they got rid of that because that was the part in the book when I read it. It was like, wait, that's just so they happen to all show up at right. the exact same time at night. When I was like, oh, that's too much. The third murder of the Mexican guys is great. The shower, the, one. Oh, yeah, the shower oh, he's one. the shower. He just closes the curtain. <laughs> I love it. The- I love the way when he shoots the one guy and the guy's arm flies off. <laughs> yeah. And then the the him going towards the bathroom and how you see in the mirror the guy look and then when he goes like this. And I remember I saw it a couple of times in the theater and every time that would happen, people would go, <gasps> they would freak out, right. you know? Like they were nervous for sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, get him. <laughs> They're like, he's in the he's in, he's in the shower. So then uh him lying in bed and he finds the marker in the suitcase leading to, I mean, this is, I'm just going to spoiler alert. This is my pick. This seven minutes of finding the marker. The second hotel escapes. Yeah. Second hotel. Yeah. yeah. Um, turning the lights off, getting the gun ready, waiting. You see the steps, you see the shadow, shoots the doorknob through. Yeah, Can we talk about that scene Wait, for a second? I, let's do it right now. Yeah. So I remember when we talked about, we did Die Hard. We talked about this a lot. I'm sure you probably have a take on this, but just like the, the how hard it is and how good they are at like making sure the the audience knows exactly the physical space, like yeah, the, the dimensions of, of yeah. okay, if he jumps out the window, then he's in front of the hotel, but then he's gonna go back through the lobby and he's gonna go out the back of the hotel, which yeah, means yeah. he's like and it's not like you spend a lot of time like with like establishing shots, but there's something about the way they shoot this scene. And it was a lot like, there's a lot of scenes in Die Hard like this where you're like, I know exactly where he is in this building. That's so weird. Yeah, geography is so, like, the best, you know, like uh, Spielberg and James Cameron and Fincher, like a lot of these people. Yeah. Catherine Bigelow, too. Like, you always know where the where everybody is yeah. in the space. And, and you're just like, oh, yeah. Because usually when somebody jumps out a window in an action movie, you're just like, what? Like, and then they land somewhere and you're like, were you on the 10th floor? Was there a balcony underneath of you? Like, how is this working? Right. And where are you now? And they'll cut and it's like a different studio back lot or something. But it just makes complete sense. And you're just so enraptured because you know exactly what he has to do to get away. And yeah. then there's they do good discoveries in this. So, like, he goes back in the lobby. And, like, in, an, in a mediocre to decent action movie, they would just show the clerk and his head's yeah. going off. 
And in this, he's he notices the milk first. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh yeah. shit, that's a bad sign. Yeah, it's a pretty brave cat spilling yeah. milk cup. Damn. Yeah, but <laughs> that's, that's not going well. Yeah, that's like very. Yeah, they love that stuff. They love kind of showing you a thing that seems innocuous, and then it. But comes you know, back. It's, yeah, yeah, it's for. Or they'll show you. They're really good at point of view. You know, it's like in Fargo when um, William H Macy uh, goes up and he pulls up to to um. And he sees that his father-in-law has been murdered. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And they don't cut to his face or anything. Just the the trunk opens up. <laughs> and it just tells you a story right yeah. there. It just yeah. tells yeah. you. Like, they really do. For as good as their dialogue is and as specific as their dialogue is, my favorite stuff is is that kind of thing where it's like, well, how do you visually just tell the whole story? And you can tell what someone's thinking about and everything without having to, you know, cut any other movie would cut to him putting the guy in the yeah Mm. next one um woody harrelson one-on-one with shigur oh yeah he's scared (laughs) he's going up the stairs you just see him kind of limping behind him coming around and there's good Woody in this scene. There's there's different versions of Woody in a movie. This is kind of the grizzled, beaten up Woody. I, I feel like he goes four for four in this movie. Oh yeah, like I think he's he's on. I mean, he's on screen for like twelve minutes, and he's it's so good. Amazing. I, he plays scared so well of a guy trying to keep his shit together, yeah. but terrified yeah. so well in this movie. It's a really and also good the scene. way he gets it too is so shot. It, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I have uh, him killing your boy Fuchs. Oh yeah, with the accountant <laughs> staying alive and the ending with "You gonna kill me?" That depends. Do you see me? <laughs> I don't even totally know what that means. Yeah. Well, so did he kill that me, guy? Or I have not? to kill you. Yeah, I, I think you he lets saw that me, guy then I have live. To I think you. he lets that guy live, yeah. right? Then uh, the the Carla Jean going to see her in the car yeah, crash. That's, yeah, that that might be my favorite scene in the whole movie because I think that always just kind of I think the performances in that and the kind of like what the whole movie is about for some reason clicks for me in that moment where she's like, it's not about the coin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like where she's saying it's not about fate. It's not about chance. It's you. You're going to fucking kill me. Yeah. You know? And, 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 and almost a sugar, like Javier Bardem, that's the scene I think that got him the Oscar for the movie. Cause he almost gets a little emotional. Yeah. When he's like, people always say that people always say this, like you kind of see like, I don't, he's like, sitting like this. Yeah. Like, in he's the in the chair. shadows yeah. just looking at her and he feels this, like, I can't help this. And she's like, no, yes, you can help this. And yeah. he's like, no, you just don't get it. I made like, a promise. Pity for it. She freaks out a little bit more in the book. I think yeah. it's like a longer speech she gives. I, I love how I think both of them are so good. And then the way they, they did that, I thought was amazing where he walks out and then just checks the bottom of his shoes. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that the year the first time when he checks bottom of his shoes, the whole audience went, oh, yeah. yeah. The whole, everybody just went, oh no. And like, that's the way, again, beautiful storytelling. Yeah. You know, any other scenes you would throw in there? I mean, we could throw in 30 more, but yeah, is there a I glaring mean, omission? I would put the uh, Harrelson the, and Brolin in when Brolin's in the hospital. Yeah. And he comes and he's just like, mm-hmm. you know, is he supposed to be the ultimate badass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not how I'd describe him. And uh, also the Tommy Lee Jones, Barry Corbin scene towards the end. Oh, yeah. When he goes and visits him in his like shack. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of like, what? What is this? Like, why are we doing this scene? Like, isn't this yeah. supposed to be the, the like, the denouement of the movie it's like the climax and he just goes and has this 
anecdotal conversation with this old retired lawman and like a minute into it you're like oh this is the most profound thing i've ever seen Mm, it's just an incredible bit of acting by the two of them too i i would add uh, towards the end i like sugar getting in the car accident because he gets hurt and again this is so fucking pretentious but i just this is why i like the movie is that they can do these things and they are real kind of but it is the kids helping him. Yeah, it's yeah. like the younger generation is the guy, the ones who are going to help the devil. Look at that <laughs> you fucking You know what bone. I mean? <laughs> but you know what I mean, though? It's like the fact that it's kids yeah. adds to the narrative. Yeah. And like the, you know, I just thought that was brilliant. That they started the, arguing like, about whether they should have both gotten money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a nice callback, too, to like the kids, the guys who Brolin runs into the on border the border. Patrol. Yeah. And they're like, no, give me the money first. But like yeah. these kids are a little bit more innocent. Yeah, and they're younger. They and they don't corrupted. know it. They just like, they just are like, oh, this guy got hurt. Yeah. We should go help him or whatever. But he's, yeah, he's like the devil. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I just thought that was for a movie called No Country for All Men. I thought that was really smart. And then I really, really, really like the very ending. I ending of this movie. I like Tommy Lee Jones's uh, describing a dream he had. Yeah. And when he says, I woke up and it cuts to black and you just hear a clock ticking. I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. It's just, that's so good. It's just like, yeah, no, man, this is all <laughs> this kind of vision of where I thought I was supposed to be and who my father was and all these things. Like, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And time's running out. <laughs> and you're mm-hmm. like, dude, that's so <laughs> rough. That was the funniest thing was when I first saw this movie, I was there was um, a guy and his boyfriend in front of me and it was clear that the guy had told his boyfriend, you have to see this movie. It's so good. And he was really excited. And so I'm watching the movie and I'm just totally knocked out by it. And it ends. He goes, so I woke up and it cuts to, and then credits start. And his boyfriend went, that was fucking terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, you're not giving it a chance. He's like, fuck you. And they just started screaming at each other. And I was like, oh man. That's the worst feeling too when you're sitting next to your significant other and you're just like, you love it? Do you love it? (laughs) You just tell this this guy's boyfriend was just sitting there like, I cannot fucking believe you dragged me to this. It was just like, fuck you for dragging me to this thing. Probably not together anymore. I don't know. So I'm going for most rewatchable. I'm going, uh, him finding the thing and then the whole yeah the second hotel the chase the second hotel yeah, thing yeah it's kind of amazing I, it's fucking well I honestly think it's like one of the best five action scenes I've ever seen in a movie the, yeah. the moment when he the captive bolt shoots the lockout and it hits Brolin yeah you, just don't you know see it's that gonna coming. happen but yeah. like just that little bit of him taking the light bulb out in the hallway and it goes dark and Brolin's just like sitting there and you're just like fucking move so like intense. oh my god I know what's about to happen to I you. always thought and that's so funny you thought I didn't think the the doorknob was ever going to hit him. I thought I thought there was going to be just a ton of like you shrapnel know, tr- yeah. shot, just like he was just going to shoot through the door. So then watching, you hear that, and I'm like, wait, what's he going? And then right when it started to click in, I'm like, oh, he's going to take up. A- oh no! What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, age the best? My first thing is the ending, which. I, I was just so shocked that the movie ended the first time I saw it, but now after a million times, it's like, wow, yeah. fucking, this is fucking amazing. But it was abrupt. It felt abrupt the first time. I think it's aged. Most people feel like it. But their movies always have stuff like that where you watch it the second time 
more than like them and Kubrick, I feel like are the most like where you see it the first time people go, what? Yeah, it's like this elliptical thing. And then you watch it again, you go, oh, I see what they're going for. Oh, yeah. The quote where he says, I always knew you had to be willing to die to even do this job, but I don't want to push my chips forward and go out and meet something I don't understand. Yeah. You just like sit in the fucking bath and think about that one for like an hour and question your life and the choices you've made. Well, my the thing that I think is aged the best is is this is a Western. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it, you know, it takes it's set in 1980, obviously, like all the cartel stuff and the 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 sort of what's happening at the border and the violence around the border is still like a, a thing today. But it, it feels like it could be set in 1880 or 1940 True. or 1909 yeah. or today and there's just something about it that really gets at, I think, gets at like what all great westerns are, which is essentially contemplating the end of the West. You know, yeah. like the Wild Bunch or She Wore Yellow Ribbon or Unforgiven or any yeah. of these movies are just like they're aware of like the fleeting nature of what they're yeah. occupying, and it's really, really, it's with this, it's like Tommy Lee is just like I thought I was going to be this kind of like this lawman out there that was like protecting people. And it turns out I can't protect them from anything. Yeah. He's, but he is behind everything in this movie. He's never, he, you can tell this story and not mention Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's the, he's the narrator of the book. Yeah. Yeah. And he has, he's behind it the entire time. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. (laughs) Another what's age the best, the, the first two murders are just really good. Man. You're just establishing really quickly that this person is a complete sociopath. Yeah, that guy where he's like, yeah, the roadside guy. Yeah. When if you were pulled over, especially if you were pulled over on and the a highway, a cop got out West Texas, and a cop car pulls you over, and a guy gets out with an oxygen tank. Yeah, with a, and you you Start know, and you're just like, yeah. uh, you know what? I'll Uber. <laughs> Um, the title has aged really well. Yeah. Yeah. I love movies that are properly titled and also tie into the movie, which is one of the reasons we love Heat. It probably wouldn't have done as well if it was the assassination of Lewin Moss. By the <laughs> yeah, way. yeah. The assassin yeah, Lewin Moss on the run <laughs> yeah. from the yeah, insane yeah, Anton Sugar. <laughs> the movie ends, you're like, you know what? It's no country for old Ben. <laughs> I wish it. someone said that in the movie. God, wouldn't that be funny? Yeah, they, they if, the, if, Tess, if Tess Harper just said that, we're like, honey, it's no country for old man. Eat your, eat your damn eggs. Uh, I had Texas as well. I like the this part of Texas. Yeah, Marfa. Like the, just seems like the hottest, worst place you could live in Texas, but and the people are there forever and there's yeah. old school gas stations. I love that. I like when they're in movies. Whenever there's a Western where it's like, you know, everybody has gone out there to get their piece of of land and start something and then like they kind of arrive at the like, why the fuck do we live out here part? Yeah. And like when Barry Corbin's just in that shack looking out on like a dust plane, just kind of like, why is anybody out here? Yeah. And he was kind of the best version of that yeah. thing. And now look at him. Yeah. You know, he's like, this is the guy I look up to. I make coffee once a week. <laughs> yeah. And he just lives in this shithole and he's just waiting to die. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is what I have to look forward yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, another What's Age the Best No Music. We talked about that, just the art of making a movie. Um, we talked about Tommy Lee driving in the shootout and just how cool that shot. Josh Berlin. Yeah. Now, he'd been in our lives for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Dating back to, uh, I mean, he was a child actor. Goonies. Goonies. 
going all the way through. Never really kind of made it as an A-lister, but it was one. It was like almost like in basketball where you're like, oh, that guy. Is, why yeah. isn't he an All NBA player? He just kind of never put it together. And then in this movie, he's an A-lister, and it feels like he had always been like one of the biggest stars. It's just like the perfect part. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things where like that movie happened, and suddenly, I mean, I was on Saturday Night Live when this movie came out, and he hosted, I think, the next year. Yeah. You know, he actually hosted the show um, that Sarah Palin did a cameo on. Oh, no. Oh, really? He hosted at the time the most watched episode of Saturday Night Live because Sarah Palin was in the cold open and um, (laughs) and just a great guy just like such a dude you know just like yeah man whatever you know just yeah like, where do yeah. I? but i think he had which i think is good with a lot of those those actors that or anybody professionally go through some sort of um you know be, uh, like a you know it's just it was a job you know it's like you're humbled you have the right tools to deal with things you know you would see people who get like crazy famous really fast as you get like on anything and yeah kind of go, well but he just had like he was super solid you know that's one of my favorite things about SNL reruns is what point of the host career did the yeah. hosting catch them in? Yeah. Because yeah. you have those, you know, like they, they showed the Luke Perry one recently when he uh-huh. hosted 902. He was 902 and it was hot and he hosted it. But he was a little older. Like I think yeah. he had the sense of what was going on. But like, you know, we've talked about Bieber on this podcast. Oh, yeah. You get those guys who they're just young and famous. Yeah. yeah. And it could go a variety of directions. It could go, yeah, really bad. Or you get those ones that it's kind of clear, even as they're hosting, that this is going to be the greatest week of their life. It's yeah. probably never going to be this good again. Yeah. I mean, when Josh came on, he he's, he's hosted a couple. He hosted a couple of times while I was there. And yeah. The first Californians was with Josh. Oh yeah, the first time we did the Californians. He he did that. And, he also uh, did that, wasn't it? The pregnant Amy Poehler and the in yeah. the Texas bar, yeah. like yeah. hitting on people. <laughs> yeah, I remember and that. One. He did. He and Will Forte and I did a sketch called Fart Face, which was <laughs> which was uh, played to total silence, and Lauren Michaels just loved it for some reason. <laughs> and we played it. We did it at dress. It was us as businessmen, very and it was a very serious scene where we were like, "Well, I think you're kind of a fart face." It's like I. I'm actually not a fart face. I don't know why you would say that. And it ends with Brolin's character killing himself. <laughs> and um, and Will Forte and I wrote it, and uh, we did it at dress, and it played to silence. We went, well, that, that's going to go. And then, you know, most watched episode ever. Everybody oh, no. in the world is there. I mean, it was that day. It was so highly charged because Sarah Palin was there and all these people. And so then we go up, and I see that we saw it got moved up. Actually, Lauren liked it so much it got moved up because he just liked how committed we were in the scene. So then we're like, oh, Jesus. So everything's killing, killing. Update goes on. Sarah Palin goes on update and Polar raps. It blows the roof off the place. And me and Brolin and Will are sitting there in our suits to do fart face next. And we're like, oh, this is going to be awful. And then I'll never forget this. We get there. We're about to go out. The music dies down. They're counting us off to make our entrance. And Josh Brolin's looking up at the crowd and he goes, well, fellas, let's shut these fuckers up. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the end of the wild bunch. It was like, all right, here we go. (laughs) And it did. It played to total silence. (laughs) And we were just going like, this is awful. (laughs) And my favorite review, I think Entertainment Weekly said, um, fart face F, you know, they gave us an F. (laughs) It said, uh, (laughs) 
uh, it seemed like uh, Bill Hader and Will Forte were walking out to do one sketch and then looked in the trash can and found a sketch called Fart Face and went, oh, wait, let's do this one instead. Wow. <laughs> Fart Face. Uh, it, 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 yeah. It, Did he I, have a sense of humor after it, too? Brawling? Brawling, yeah. Oh, he was like, dude. I'm in. Like, <laughs> like that's why I loved him. He was like, I don't give a shit. Like, let's fucking do this and let's commit super hard. Yeah. And like, I'm going to really cry in it and I'm going to do the whole thing. That would be a good <laughs> so podcast awesome. is just SNL people talking about great failed sketches that just uh, You could completely. easily do that because yeah, there was it's so many. It's just going on forever. Um, two more. What's age the best? The, uh, the theme of the coin toss. Yeah. Just as fate. Yeah. Randomness. I'm just into yeah. it. I liked it. I, I wove it into a couple of columns, I think. Yeah. You know, you never know. Just fucking coin toss. I had a, I had a friend who saw it who didn't like the movie. He goes, and they clearly stole uh, the coin toss from uh, Two-Face. Harvey <laughs> <laughs> Dent? I don't think Cormac McCarthy is a big Batman guy. <laughs> and then Tommy Lee going, amazing uh, if Cormac McCarthy was like, what can I steal from Batman? What should he do? What should he do? And you see him turn around, open the closet, just filled with comic books. Just like fucking Hellboy dolls. What does the Riddler have to tell me about the road? Let me see. And then the Tommy Lee, the scene we mentioned earlier, the I feel overmatched. Yeah. Which... Is every man's fear is you're <laughs> going to hit that point where just things are starting to move a little too fast yeah. and you realize you've peaked and it's over. Yeah. yeah. Any other what's age the best? I would just say the visual look like Deacons is cinematography, the look of the movie. I feel like when you watch, like if you're just watching like Broadchurch one night or like some procedural crime, like kind of prestige crime show, it just looks like this, this film is one of the most influential movies of the last 20 yeah. years. I, I agree. I think what Deacons did with it. And yeah, and just like the, it's just one of those movies where every, every aspect of filmmaking is that it's, is, is at top level yeah. editing, the sound design, uh, the production design. Um, and again, I just, I just like the simplicity in which they do stuff, you know, even like, you know, when he, uh, uh, that great shot where he blows up the car, Mm-hmm. And then it goes in, so he just creates the diversion, so he can get all his supplies or whatever. There's, yeah, just he just does it. And yeah, they pull him in, and then it blows up in the background, and everybody. But this, this, it's about him getting his stuff. Yeah, you know. Um. So yeah, it's. A, I think it's a real kind of class. You know, it's like a. I can watch it and get inspired and. You can learn a lot. There's a, and there's also like a bunch of shots in there that are basically like David Lean good in terms of like the clouds going over the sun. Like when he's watching the, like the antelope or whatever in the first shot and like all the clouds come across the plane. And then like when they, when he's running away from the dog and the lightning is going. Yeah. Yeah. Where where the guys are in the Jeep. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 my, one of my favorite shots just cause I remember so seeing it was when he looks up and you see the, when he's at night and he's trying to get the guy water and he sees that Mm -hmm. someone's already been there and he looks up and you see the one Jeep and he's like, shit. And he looks up and then there's more people out there and you're like, Oh shit. I mean, that's (laughs) pure Hitchcock. (laughs) Yeah. It it really is. Chris's secret sauce is cinematography. I love it. Who's your guy from the seventies? Gordon. Gordon Willis. Oh yeah. Prince of darkness. Who, what was the, uh, what was the one he got left out for the Oscar? Godfather Two, I think. Yeah, Godfather. Yeah. Godfather Two has this scene with Michael and his mom, which I would, I will say, is a little too dark. <laughs> you can't really see what's going on. It's like, who is that? Right? Is that Wait, Mama what is happening? And he's like, Mom. And you're like, Oh, okay. So that's Michael's in there. Who else is in there? Are they? Are they about to surprise? Are the yeah. lights about to come on? And it's like, Happy birthday, too. 
So what's age the best? I'm I'm just for me it's the ending just because yeah. I had to grow into it. Yeah. Let's take a break to talk about what CNN is doing. We relive all of our favorite movies here. CNN is doing something really cool this summer. They're premiering their new CNN original series, The Movies, produced by Tom Hanks and Gary Getzman in association with HBO. The Movies will focus on a specific decade of films starting at the dawn of U.S. cinema, going all the way through present day. This week, they're kicking Sunday night thing, starting at 9 Eastern with the 80s, Breakfast Club, Back to the Future, The Terminator. Every week for the next five weeks, the show will focus on a different decade going inside some of your favorite movies with featured interviews ranging from Steven Spielberg to Rob Zombie. They are covering all the bases. Check it out. The new CNN original series, The Movies, starting this Sunday night at 9 p.m. What's age the worst? Nothing. This movie. I can't think of a single change thing that's anything about this, movie. about this movie. Casting. What ifs? Do you have something? Uh, I. You know what? Oh, I. I will say yes. two things I don't like about the movie, and I like this movie. And this is total nitpicky. Sure. Well, we have a nitpick section. Oh, later okay. Well, then let me, let me. I'll wait. I'll wait. All right. Wait. I'll wait. Casting. What ifs? Chris probably knows these, but you might not know this. Did you know Javier Bardem? Am I saying that right? Javier yeah. Bardem. You yeah. got it. You nailed it. He nearly had to withdraw from the movie. Why? He had issues with scheduling. English actor Mark Strong was put on oh. standby. He said there was like a weekend where he was like, I'm going to be. Anton Shikuru. Shikuru. Yeah. Wow, that would have been interesting. Tough, yeah. tough beat for Mark Strong. Yeah. He's um, fine. <laughs> the role of Llewellyn Moss originally offered to? Who? James Franco. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. I know Franco read for it. Did he? Yeah. He turned it down to spend you know, time with his new daughter. Do you know who shot Josh Brolin's uh, audition tape? I think we do actually. I do. Yeah. Go ahead. Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Directed by Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I have that one. He There's a really funny moment that in an interview with the Coens and they're and Brolin, they're talking about it. And the Cohen brothers, they were like, I think it's like on Charlie Rose or something. And Charlie Rose is like, What did you think when you got the tape? And they were we were like they were like, Well, we were wondering who lit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who shot this? Because yeah. <laughs> it was really well shot. Um Heath Ledger is in the Brolin part is kind of a good what if. I mean, he I he clearly could do the Texas thing really. I mean, he could I do this southern thing mm-hmm. really Definitely well, in know. his wheelhouse, this part. Oh, my God. I don't yeah. know. I really like Josh Brolin. I, what so. I like about Josh Brolin, though, I'll say, is I think, I think Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain's a phenomenal performance and great. He's I thought he was an amazing actor. But I like Josh Brolin this because you hadn't seen him in a, a while. Right. And he just felt like the character. Yes. And I feel like their best stuff to me is always – where you're like, oh, I, I feel I'm not going. Whoa, there's Josh Brolin. Necessarily, I'm going yeah. like, God, this guy feels it's like, like Gabriel the Byrne. You're like, oh yeah, man, Gabriel Byrne. Like this guy yeah. came over from Ireland, and he's just this, yeah. like this is the best he can do for himself. Yeah, you know? it's funny. I I was going to mention this later, but this feels like the kind of part that Brad Pitt saw and was like, fuck, yeah, <laughs> God yeah. damn it. Well, he was getting assassinated at yeah, the time. He was getting assassinated by he Robert Ford. He would have crushed this part though. You've grown a little scruffle. But I but to cute. my but to my previous point, I feel like I'd You've be like, oh, history, there's man. there's Brad Pitt. Yeah. I mean, that's the bad thing about being a big movie star is like, how do you Bro you and know? I agree. Bro and is perfect. I would not change him. Uh Garrett Dillahunt was in the running for Llewellyn. He auditioned, auditioned five, times. five times. Yeah. <laughs> but wow. instead became uh Ed Tom Bell, Ed Tom Bell's uh deputy. So there you go. Deanne Waiter's award for the biggest heat check in the movie. 
I, we already said it. it was Woody Harrelson. He's in four yeah. scenes yeah. and fucking yeah. goes yeah. four for four. Yeah. yeah, he crushes it. He has, yeah. hits four threes. I he would had also like say Kelly McDonald's in there too. I think she doesn't get a lot. I think she's really good in this movie considering that she's Scottish. Yeah. And that accent, I grew up in Oklahoma and I had to tell my sister, I'm like, you know, she's Scottish. And she was like, what? Yeah. Like she, I was like, you know, don't you remember uh, Train Spotting? She's the girl from Train Spotting. She's yeah. like, no way. Like she, she is like uh, girls that I grew up with. Like all the girls I went to high school with are like that yeah. girl. Like, so I, yeah, she's really good. Enough. Wide eyed, trusting. Just, yeah. Just kind of like well, that scene on the bus where she's like, why well, do we got to go? Like, yeah. You know, it, it, your mom's it, dead. Your mom's dead. <laughs> you know, all that. I, I, I give yeah that she does she for someone who did not grow up in the United States she nailed that half-ass internet research did you know the title was taken from the opening line of of a William Butler Yeats poem <laughs> sailing to Byzantium <laughs> Did you know that? Though? I don't know why you're chuckling through William Butler Yeats, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fuck yeah, know, Bill Yeats. <laughs> we mentioned in the book, uh, Carla Jean, her reaction was much crazier. Yeah. yeah. They played it differently in the movie. Um, There's a bunch of, of not really like that essential changes, like the girl he meets at the pool. Uh, at the end, that, that Josh Brolin's character meets at the pool. She has like a much bigger part in yeah. the book. Oh really? They yeah, hang out. They hang out. Yeah, they hang they out for like hang a few. Out in it, I forget what happened. I put think some, actually it's like put he puts his gun down because he's hanging out with yeah. her, and that's how he gets uh, like kind of jumped in the first on, place. Josh. I know. Yeah. Um, Ethan Cohen said they they screened it for McCormick and McCarthy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wrote McCormick for Will McCormick. Yeah, McCormick for William McCormick. No, just McCormick. Yeah, it was McCormick. Just McCormick. It was this guy. Yeah, this guy so. down the street. Uh, McCarthy. Uh, I think it's good. He said. Uh, <laughs> they said he didn't yell at us. We were sitting in the movie screening room with him when he saw it. Heard him chuckle a couple of times. Took it as a seal of approval. Did you seem kind of confused what he thought was my takeaway from reading this? Do you think yeah. he you think he played it cool with them? Like, yeah, it was good. I think yeah, he thanks. likes it. I bet I think he likes it. Okay. They're and also they're also kind of famously like tight lipped and yeah. interviews and anything. So I can't you see them being too effusive. You mentioned the storyboarding. Um Deacon said they only shot two hundred and fifty thousand feet of film. Usually you would shoot like seven hundred thousand to a million feet of film. That's but he said, week on a Judd movie. "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, not like not bashing Judd or whatever, but we would improvise so much, right? You just film that, film that's that so little. I mean, that's crazy." Joel seemed like he had some issues with the parallels to Fargo because mm-hmm. he told this Daily Telegraph. He said those things really should have seemed obvious to us. It was like shaking his head about it, and then Ethan said, "We're not conscious of it to the extent that we ever try to avoid it." The similarity did occur to us. Um, it's reminiscent of our own movies. That's by accident. Those I guys think, do that all the time, yeah. though. They always are like, "Yeah, there's nothing to it. We just told a story." It's the it's, and then like you can look at those movies and like unpack them in so many different ways. Yeah, I, I just don't think they're like uh, Bob Dylan or something. Yeah. Like I think they took a page out of that book of like that's this is how you deal with the press. You just kind of say the least amount of stuff. Yeah, you kind of like you don't want to like have to explain yourself but i i what i also like is that if you look at blood simple blood simple is taking place 
about the same mm-hmm. time. So they made that in 84, yeah, and right? This, yeah. yeah, and it's ta- it, like the characters and like Blood Simple could be taking place in the next town over, yeah. which I like thinking about. That's really cool. Did you know Josh Berlin broke his shoulder in a motorcycle accident two days after getting the part in the film? <laughs> oh, man. And he like lied to them about it, right? He yeah. was just yeah, like, yeah, funny. I'm fine. He said he was flying over the car that hit him and thinking, fucking shit, I really wanted to work with the Coens. <laughs> we hadn't even landed that. Uh, uh, but they they had him shot in the shoulder in the movie, so they were yeah. really played off. Oh, um, we mentioned that there will be blood shooting nearby. Apparently, there was one time where they set Paul Thomas Anderson tested the pyrotechnics of it like an oil blaze, and there was this big thing of smoke, and they had to stop filming No yeah. Country for Old Men because of the smoke from There Will Be Blood. I also heard a story from somebody who worked on No Country for Old Men Um we said they were shooting the scene with uh, when Sugar after the car accident and the kids are and they were working on that and a guy on a ten speed bike flew through and I'm like <laughs> get the fuck out of my way and it was Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, what? yeah come on and he said it was Daniel Day Lewis on it this is just again this is like that's who a knows, good urban legend do you think DDL was like there? don't you fucking go for best actor that's mine <laughs> fuck no, you but I, who knows if that is true or not but. You know, this is just what someone told me that he flew through on a bike and said, get the fuck out of my way. Imagine just having like a, that sounds like, like him. The, the one bar in Marfa and then like yeah. Bardem and DDL, and Paul Dano and like Tommy Lee Jones are just there. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> um, the shotgun he used was specifically made for the movie, especially the suppressor did not exist in real life. They invented this. Oh, that makes sense. Hopefully they didn't I'm give glad, a psychopath some sort of ideas for this. Uh, can you guess the body count in the movie? Like 30? I'm gonna go Do lower. you want to go higher or lower, Bill? Lower. I'm gonna, lower, I'm lower, gonna lower boom. 22. Okay. Apex Mountain. Mm-hmm. This is where we decide if it was the person's apex of their career. Oh. This exact, when this movie came out. So it's when they had the most cachet, the ability to get the most projects done. At their, it, it's just at, never at, been better. At it's their, their time. At the time. At, I don't know if any, I mean, the Coens weren't, like I was saying. They, I think you they make case that. for Braun. Uh, this opened up like well, he's a probably whole been in, path I, for But him. you could make the argument that Avengers, he's like more popular now than ever. Yeah. I mean, he also did, um, you know, he was nominated for an Oscar for Milk, I yep. think, the next year. It, his thing was just more like this movie happened. I remember Milk happened. And then he was George W. Bush and Oliver Stone movie. And all these, it was just suddenly he was in all these things. He like, was an American Gangster this year, American too. American Gangster, yeah. He just Maybe the George Bush movie him. was. I don't know. Coen Brothers? Fargo? Uh, when were they? When were they at the peak of their powers? Like for just this everything. is probably it because they win the Oscar. I would say this. I don't. I yeah. don't think they've dipped uh, very far. No, I don't think they've dipped. Yeah, at all. Is this how? Where does this rank? In like, is this like a top three cones for you? Is it outside of the top three? Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's. It. I mean, yeah. There's different eras of them. It's like the early era stuff with which is you know like raising Arizona mm-hmm. and. And Miller's Cross and Barton Fink, Blood Simple, like all those I really love. And then it's like Fargo happens and you kind of have like this new, mm-hmm. I don't know why it's not like the movie, but they get a little bit sleeker and a little bit like less crazy yeah. or something. Um, but after I think this and A Serious Man are the two I like the most of, of, that, of this era. Yeah. Again. Javier Bardem? 
I mean, this is one of the most identifiable characters in the last I, I, 50 it's, years. It's probably this or Skyfall in terms of like Apex Mountain, but I think Ooh, Skyfall. he's just pretty much really great. Like every time. He's, yeah, he's he's a great actor. Yeah. Man. yeah, He's in a really good movie that came out earlier this year called Everybody Knows, which is with him and Penelope Cruz. And they're like, it's, a, it's set during a wedding in like a small Spanish village. And uh, there's a kidnapping and they have to like find this teenage girl who's been kidnapped from this wedding. And it's just set over the course of this weekend. It's so good. Is it in the theater? It was out earlier this year. Yeah. Who uh, directed that? Uh, the Iranian filmmaker. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Going to uh, the Joey Pants Award for the best that guy. <laughs> <laughs> there's like seven that guys oh, in this Asgar movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. There's like seven Coen brothers, that guy's in this movie, and I don't even know really how to pick. I mean, I love the guy at the who he flips the coin with and the I gas think that, station that guy? gas station. Yeah, I don't even he, know what his he, name is, so he wins. He's unreal. I also think the woman uh, at the uh, hotels really where she's like, What do you want? Like when she's <laughs> yeah. getting mad at Sugar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like her. Wait, is this this is the Joey Pants Award? Yeah. I would say uh the kid. Who's like, look at that fucking bone? Is Caleb yeah. Landry Jones? Is who's now like in, been in, since been in a bunch of stuff? But like oh, as that's a, a good actor. one. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's a good one. Would this movie have been better with Danny Trejo, Steve Buscemi, or Michael K. Williams? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Trejo, they could have worked into you, this. I, you really want him in most things, though, right? Trejo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We try to work him in. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you wouldn't need any sort of, he just is so hard looking. No one would pull over and be like, hey, man, you know, you, you okay? <laughs> All right. Before we hit the final third of the pod, let's talk about Luminary really quickly. They've launched a bunch of great original shows you can only find on their platform, including our little spinoff series to the Rewatchables. It's called The Rewatchables 1999. Basically, you know, the cousin of this podcast. It dissects some of our favorite movies from 1999, which was an all-time great year in film. Each episode, much like this show, breaks down a movie of our choice with some highly specific categories and a couple of new ones that we came up with, but you'll get the most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, all that stuff. We've already done American Pie, Office Space, The Matrix, Austin Powers 2, whole bunch of them. Uh, you can make sure to check out all the other great podcasts on Luminary, like Poetics with O'Mary Hardwick, the Luminary app, free to download. Listen to thousands of pods, including the one you already love, like this one. They have a very easy-to-use interface, personalized content recommendations, and whether you're into movies, music, sports, comedy, or more, Luminary is the right show for you. If you love podcasts, check it out. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash rewatch. After that, $7.99 per month. Luminary.link slash rewatch for two months of free access. Luminary.link slash rewatch. Cancel anytime. Terms do apply. The Saul Rubinek They Knew Award for Best Overacting. There's I didn't feel like there was any uh, overacting I, in this I movie. I will say the I a great, great actress, but the woman who plays Kelly McDonald's mom. In yeah, it. Carla Jean's mom. Beth yeah, Grant. Beth Grant. Uh, she is a great actor. She's very funny. I I she's one of the things I think there's a little weak link in this. Yeah, she's and doing she, a lot. She, she feels like she's in another movie. Do you know why we named the award after Saul Rubinek? <laughs> because of what? Uh, True, True Romance. When he finds out Michael Rappaport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Redford to see him. You stabbed me in the heart! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we still love Saul Rubinek. Picking like nits. It's time. Yeah. Here's my first one. 
Did they really have suitcase tracking devices like that in 1980? I'm going to say, yeah. I feel like I, well, I feel like I saw those in movies. We in had trackers in 1980? Yeah, I feel like yeah. so, yeah. Really? Yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah. I think it was a little. And I think that stuff works so well, too, without having music in it. Like, just the, the beeping. The, it's, yeah, it's like the well, Jaws. From Aliens, like Jaws, too, yeah. yeah what other movie stuff. used the tracking device? Well, I just think in real, like, you know, like every James Bond movie has a tracking device, pretty I much. Think the movie Cloak and Dagger with Dabney Coleman. Yeah. Harry right. Thomas has one. Uh, are you sold that Woody Harrelson would have actually found the suitcase? Just be like, hey, I bet he walked this way. Here's the thing about this. Over there. I, I don't necessarily, like, to Bill's point about these guys, like Tommy Lee Jones always being kind of like behind it. It's like, I don't, these guys are criminal masterminds. No. They're just fucking doing battle in the middle of Texas. So it's not like Josh Brolin was like, I have a super secret hiding place. I got this. He, he yeah. was bleeding out. Yeah. And he's like, I guess I'm going to try and hope that this doesn't go in the river. Yeah. And get away from this It was actually bag. a pretty brilliant move. Yeah. But like if you're Harrelson and you're just tracing back steps, I mean, that line where he's like, he'll never find me again. He's like, it took me three hours to find you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not, this is okay. not that hard. Yeah. Um, that's all I got for picking nits. What did you have? You said something uh, the bothered actress, you. The, the, Carla, the, Jean's yeah. Carla mom. Jean's mom, I thought was another movie. And I think the CG in this is a little, the CG deer, there's some CG, this is really nitpicky. Yeah. He shoots a deer in it, and it's a really CG looking deer. And yeah. I'm always, that's a thing in my mind. I'm always like, I just cut away. I get it. Why, right. why do I need to see the deer hop and... Do you know what I is mean? Is the dog in the water a CG dog or is no, that such no, just great that's, dog that's acting? Seems, that's great dog acting. Yeah. But if you look at this, the deer, it's pretty, it's like the cow gets hit in a brother. Yeah. Where you just go like, oh, that's not a real cow. But <laughs> I, I, those are one moments that just me being a nitpicking asshole. Yeah. was like, I'll oh, just cut away from it. I don't need The only other one I have is when he finds a tracking device. It's a stack of $1 bills. I think that they put the tracking device in in like a dummy band, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Put them in the hundreds. Yeah. Come on, Mexican drug dealer guys. (laughs) It's 1980. They were still developing techniques back then. Best quote, everything. Could this be remade? You want to go through a couple of them? You you can. I have a couple here. Go ahead. Uh, I got here the same way the coin did. Call it. The coin don't have no say. It's just you. I got here the same way the coin did. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I would say he doesn't have a sense of humor. Wells says that about sugar. Um, What does he say when he talks about he's a psychopath? Oh, Woody Harrison? Yeah, he's just like a psychopathic killer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's Um, like the bubonic plagues after you. like the bubonic plague, yeah. Ellis saying, uh, what you got ain't nothing new. This country's hard on people. Mm. You can't stop what's coming. It ain't all waiting on you. That's vanity. That was Ellis. Uh, Honestly, I can't say that charm has had a whole lot to do with it. (laughs) Well, when he asks him, like, you seem like I've had a charmed existence. And uh, I always, always loved when Moss calls for Woody Harrelson in the hotel room. And he's like, is Carson Wells there? And Sugar's like, not in the sense that you mean. (laughs) Yeah, not in the sense that you mean. Yeah. (laughs) He's like fucking blown away body. Sugar, funniest sociopath of all time. And then there's a line that's really, really great in the book. And Bardem actually, you can't quite understand him if you don't have subtitles on, but it's, uh, let me ask you something. If the rule you followed brought you to this, of what use was the rule? If the rule you followed... Roger to this. Of what use was the rule? 
Yeah. It's like a real, like, I'm going to think about that one for a while. Do you yeah. think they should, when the NBA does the coin flips for when two teams are tied for draft <laughs> position, they should have Javier <laughs> Bardem yeah. 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 sitting yeah. in that chair. <laughs> call it. The call the it. They play call some it. pretty weird clips now at stadiums, though. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they started playing that in, in stadiums. <laughs> Because you go and it's like half of 300 players. Uh, yeah, but with uh, yeah white stripes underneath yeah. it. <laughs> I used to have a running joke of the guy operating the video screen trying to get fired by playing the Scatman Crothers. Yeah. Shining <laughs> <thing. laughs> <laughs> He's like, there are <laughs> clips. Yeah, <laughs> the crowd's like, what's going on? What do I do? <laughs> Or just uh, pile blowing his brains out from full metal jacket, and everybody's like, "Whoa!" whoa hey. Like when a, a team tanks, it's They'll like, do that. "Nope!" It's like, "Whoa!" They'll do that when Anthony Davis hurts his hamstring in the middle of the year. Yeah, they'll just play like, that at oh. Staples. Next category. My answer is no, but I do want to play it out a little. Could this be remade as a ten-episode Netflix show? No. Only if it's about Carla Jean's mom. Yeah, just if it's get- just Carla Jean's mom and it's a, like a sketch show. <laughs> what if it's, it was- it's like she shot it herself. <laughs> sketch show. And by the way, I should say that actress is great. I've I've worked. I auditioned with her once, and she's a great actress. What if think, it was yeah. a show called Shigur? And that was it. It was just it him was stealing the cars. Other murders what if it was just him? Like he just went home and he had a family. And it's yeah. like, yeah. Dad, I need help with my homework. <laughs> what happened to your arm? And it's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably unanswerable questions. I only have one. How many murders do you think Anton Chigor committed in his life? Oh, I can't. Well, he's I a mean, profit he's of right. destruction. Yeah, so, profit of destruction like, means yeah. over five hundred. I mean, he yeah. does. He did like twenty, 20 in, the movie. in the movie. Yeah, and, and that, that in the movie takes place over what, like a couple weeks? weeks. He's just going from contract to contract, right? Yeah, I would say the the one nitpick I would have is it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of like tactical response to major crime scenes in in this movie. Yeah. Oh, in Texas, yeah, it's just yeah. like you would probably have some. Some, or like, you would have on someone the on the, you would have him and the guy at the gas station would have reported it. And they're like, we're on the lookout for a guy who like has a cattle yeah, and his, gun a and, Prince, it, and we'll, haircut. Prince Value of Haircut who will ask you, if he, if this man asks you to, to flip a coin, say no <laughs> and call the police. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any other answerable questions. I think uh, I, I also, you know what line I like? I like when she says, uh, when he, I like that moment where she says, uh, you don't have to do this. And he goes, people always say the same thing. What did I say? They say, you don't have to do this. I think that's so great. Yeah. Right, I, so- also like that. I also kind of like the scene with the old guy in uh, Time Lee Jones, where he's talking about the other sheriff guy in the yeah. diner. Where he's talking about, oh, we saw a guy with a mohawk, and they're just kind of always talking about. That's a very kind of Fargo-y kind yeah. of thing, you know. But Same I, I dug like, it yeah. when they first come on the crime scene when Dillahunt and Tommy Lee ride in on the horses, and yeah. Dillahunt's kind of like charting it all out, and he's like, "I figure these guys jump yeah. these guys," and then it's like, "Whoa, differences!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, whoa, differences. Yeah, who won the movie? Who won the movie? Um. I have a controversial humanity. Opinion. No, uh, what? I think it's Jones. Yeah, which is like he's he really is like coming in for the save, but this time for some reason I it wasn't Bardem and it wasn't Brolin that jumped out. It was Jones. I was like, this is he's kind of like the soul of this movie, and without that, it it is more of just a cat and mouse. And I was really moved by like his his last two scenes, like. 
Yeah. No, I think he's definitely good. If I'm going purely by who wins and like what the movie's about, I guess I'm kind of like it's Bardem because yeah. he's, uh, it's, it's like the cynical, like this coming, <laughs> the, he's like the harbinger of more bad shit that's coming yeah. and he gets fucked up, but he's kind of like, you know, yeah. he's, he's still going to go and he did his job, I guess. <laughs> I wanted to give it to Tommy. I really thought long and hard, but I, I'm, I'm with Bill. Bardem. But I do love Tommy Lee Jones, and I love the stories about Tommy Lee Jones, like how mm-hmm. his nickname's One Take Tommy. And <laughs> oh, he's my just, God. He's just zipping through. He he's, did the he's dream in the speech no in one offense. take. He did the dream speech in one take. That makes sense that he would just want to get out They of were there. like, how many takes did it take? And he's like, it took one take. He's like, but I was practicing. <laughs> he told some interview. I think it was like W Magazine. He told that. I love that. And he did a sketch called One Take Tony. Where he's like, I could. Uh, my name is One Take Tony. I do everything in one take. <laughs> and then the first take, he fucks up. Tommy Lee Jones never hosted SNL, right? I don't. Not when I was. He's there, one no. of those guys. I don't feel like I know that much about. I think but he's, he's been around forever. He's in a. Do you see Rolling Thunder? Yeah, that movie. He's in that. He's he's really cool in that movie. He has like one of the best badass lines in Rolling Thunder. Where uh, do you remember that movie? Well, William Devine. Is, it's like in the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, 80s, where right? the, yeah. The, he comes back from Vietnam. Yeah, William Devine does, and they put it. They put his hand in a garbage disposal and all this stuff, and uh, they kill his wife and kids. Really rough opening, <laughs> first ten minutes. And then uh, he's looking for the guys, and then he comes in, and, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones is this kind of war vet who just doesn't know what to do with himself. And he's this great scene where he's with his wife and and her family, and he's you know he's just with his family, and he just has no. I think it's his family, and he just has no. He can't relate to them. And Lone Divine comes in, and he goes, "I found the men who killed my boy." And Tommy Lee Jones thinks for a minute, and he goes, "I'll go get my gear." <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> you know, and it's yeah, it's great. You know? I remember the he played Gary Gilmore, the serial. Yeah, yeah. it's kind yeah. of weird to see him young. Song. Yeah. It, was, it was early, he was early a really, Tommy. Like good look. He's yeah. like a real, like, yeah, yeah, he's really chiseled. Like because you expect dude. him to just be born as the guy from The Fugitive. Yeah, like, but I've, I felt I like don't care. late seventies, <laughs> early eighties. I felt like him and Scott Glenn. I never really had him. They were kind of like neck and neck, yeah. and then the fugitive. He just did under siege in the fugitive. Out. Yeah, yeah. There's Scott Glenn in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He's like you just go. Is that Scott Glenn? And then it's like, oh yeah, he's the guy that went nuts. Yeah, for yeah. one like one <laughs> shot. You just go. Here's the guy who went nuts. This guy, and he's like, I. Do. <laughs> The right Scott stuff. Glenn, he the Urban Cowboy. He was a great yeah. bad guy in Urban Cowboy yeah. too. But and yeah. Silverado was the first thing I saw him. And I remember my dad, oh, yeah. my dad took me to go see Silverado. Yeah, I think I feel like, like they were Whoa. neck and neck the whole most yeah. of the eighties. Then Tommy Lee just pulled away. Yeah, with the are they younger than Dennis Quaid or older? Is that the same age group? Yeah, yeah, I different. think they're a little, maybe a little because probably Tommy same Lee age Jones group, was. Actually. He went to school with Al Gore. He was Al Gore's oh really roommate. Yeah, like they went to school together apparently. But uh, Tommy so, Lee. Tommy Lee, he's, yeah. This, this movie catches him at a good point in his career, too, where he's exactly the age the character should have been. Oh, you yeah. Know, it wasn't like yeah. somebody trying to put on a little makeup to try to play older. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. And you, yeah, and, and he is, I think, that kind of guy. I would he's say. from the yeah. town that, that Brolin's supposed to be from in the movie. Yeah. yeah. No Country for Old Men. Great a classic. Movie. Bill Hader, classic. you just survived your first rewatch of this. Congratulations. Thanks, I can't believe I did it's grueling. it. grueling. So, so nerve-wracking, Chris Ryan, guys. thank you. Of course.
All right. Thanks for listening to the Rewatchables. Don't forget to listen to all the great podcasts on the Ringer Podcast Network. And thanks to Vudu, a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy and over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad-supported on-demand service. Enjoy everything from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films without subscriptions or contracts. You can watch Poetic Justice. Tupac, what kind of actor could he be in? He'd had the 40-year career. Well, you'll find out. Watch Poetic Justice. He was great. Head to voodoo.com slash rewatchables to sign up. Start watching today. V-U-D-U dot com slash rewatchables. Back next week.